Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Well, Happy New Year, friends, and welcome back to another year of the 50 Most Relevant Time. Now, once again, to work our way over the next 50 days through who I believe are the most relevant players to own in Supercoach, in Dream Team, and for AFL Fantasy. Joining me on this episode, you're going to get to know him if you've never seen him. Well, you can now watching the videos on YouTube, but also if you've never done a pre-season with the Coaches Panel, you're going to love hearing the voice of Kane and very many other members of the Coaches Panel and the fantasy footy community. Kane, a pleasure to see you again, mate, and welcome back to another year of the 50 Most Relevant. Thank you, MJ. Yes, very exciting. You always throw up someone interesting for 50. I know that's all part of your plan to get everyone going, what's he doing here? Why has he got him at 50? But Connor McDonald is a really interesting guy, especially as we, you know, really start building into the preseason and we've only got so much information at this stage. Um, one of those ones that you go pedigree tick, played enough games in his first couple of years, tick, mm-hmm. shown some scoring. Um, and you know, I love the guys. There's a little bit of projection and gut feel as opposed to maybe the ones that have runs on the board and we're just trying to work out, do they sustain or maybe does someone come up over the top? So this is probably one of the ones that I really lean to is this guy that ticks a lot of boxes, but how far can he go entering his third year? I think that's ultimately the big question. The 50 most relevant, if you've never done a preseason with us, ultimately it's this, a different player every single day. We unpack them through this audio and video podcast. There's an article that accompanies it at coachespanel.tv. It's not just a random collection of player profiles that we've thrown together. Is They are put together in who I think are the most relevant and work our way through the list over a 50-day period. And a couple of caveats to put alongside it before we jump in a little bit more deeper and look at Connor McDonald. With the 50 most relevant, it does include all the salary cap formats of Dream Team, Supercoach, and AFL Fantasy. So if we were doing the 50 just for one of these formats, yes, certain players might be higher, certain players might be lower. But we take a bunch of different things into consideration. A player's history, pedigree that's previously been there that Kane has alluded to. Have they got an injury? Has an injury opened up opportunities? Has there been a positional change, not just in the allocation of champion data, but in terms of where they are going to play throughout the 2024 season and beyond? What's their price point? What trades have happened? Really, it's putting all the information we can possibly gather together, put it into a big melding pot, and then ultimately it spits out a subjective list. The 50 most relevant isn't meant to be some form of fantasy footy Bible that tells you what you must do and mustn't do in terms of players to pick, but rather, Kane, it's ultimately leading to a conversation in the preseason, as you said, some of the least amount of information we have through the months of January and February until some of those preseason games and intra-club matches start. Really, at the moment, it's just starting the conversation about what could be and might be with our fantasy footy sides. Oh, 100%, MJ. It's one of those ones that I love because it really does broaden your thinking. It's so easy to start locking in guys and you know a lot of people sort of have that list of 30 that they want to find sort of 15 to 20 spots for. And then we know that the rookies really take care of themselves as we work through the preseason. And, and obviously, end of the day, round one's going to dictate if they get picked or not more than those premiums that you sort of know what you're expecting from them. So that's why I think a guy like Connor McDonald is, for some, heavily on the radar. And for others, 
they would just gloss over that name when they're opening up the team picker and looking through the list. They go, well, I don't really have any need for someone like that. But I think that's what makes it so interesting is that uh, you put a lot of time into considering everyone. Mm. Um, and to have him at 50, I think, shows that there is a lot that he's already done. But also, most importantly, this is about projecting forward to what he's going to deliver for coaches in 2024. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, let's jump into it. He is forward eligible for us this season. From a price point, he's going to set you back just over $380,000 in Supercoach, just under $640,000 in AFL Fantasy, and just a clip over $650,000 in AFL Dream Team. In Fantasy and Dream Team, he's coming off an average of 70.7 with just the one ton last year, but it was a career high score, a 104. While in Supercoach, an average of 68 Point two, two scores, three figures plus, with a top score last year of 113. And there is no better feeling in fantasy football. It doesn't matter what format you play, Kane. One of the great feelings is picking a guy that not a whole people have jumped on in the community, seeing the breakout trends, not just because they're a third-year player and that's when the mythical breakout happens, although Connor is entering into his third year into the AFL system, but it's seeing this guy forecasting and projecting things that might eventuate. And when you look at Connor, there's a bunch of different things that kind of give us some confidence. I'll dump, jump into his 2023 season in a bit more detail in a moment. But Kane, there's enough little pockets of gold for us that we can dig here. It's third-year player as a junior had monster scoring based on what he could do as an inside midfielder, has found his way to be an established part of the best 22 without really getting any midfield opportunity at Hawthorne. And in this young and developing side, despite not getting a plum or a prime role based on what he was doing as a junior, he's still finding a way to score well enough for us to consider him in a line that is drastically lacking in some top-end options. Yeah, I think the first thing, MJ, that's why he's on this list really is the positional scarcity. You you look at him as a forward, that's massive because the top of the line – there's some amazing names, but they're probably not at the point of their career where they're at their absolute prime, are they? You look at McRae leading the line in, in fantasy with a 91, Dusty at 90, Caleb Daniel just below 90. Then you've got a guy like Sam Flanders who's hard to read, such an awesome back end of the year, new yeah. coach, full midfield compliment. So my point there is you get through that list and you start thinking, who is guaranteed? Who is guaranteed to be a top six forward And we know there's always that positional scarcity and change happening throughout the year. So you look at Conor McDonald and you say, well, what's the line that's enough? And it might just be in those mid to low 80s. And I think that's what's really fascinating. When you look at a guy that's already at 70 after year two. Basically, yeah. It's not not that crazy to think that there's a jump again. And the back end of the season, those numbers would suggest that. Yeah, it's true. Even in Supercoach, you're running through a bunch of AFL fantasy names. It's it's a Luke Jackson, it's a Charlie Kernow, it's a Shy Bolton. Again, across all of the formats, we don't have anyone entering into the season coming off the back of a 100-plus averaging season, which is really different for people after they consider last year where it was Butters, Rosie, Dunkley, Taranto, Goulden. These were the guys that got us through last year, and that's not even mentioning a rookie by the name of Harry Sheasel. So now the bar has been lowered. It doesn't have to be a 100-plus guy at F6 in your season-long spot. Now 
as you've mentioned, a mid-80s guy could just be enough, not just as a breakout option, which is what we're forecasting Connor to be, but as somebody that could be someone you look at for the season length. Let's dive into 2023 for a bit and just look through some of his numbers because you're just looking for subtle indicators with breakout guys. You're looking for little threads that you can pull and go, is there something there that gives me confidence to select him? Not just more midfield time that sprouted throughout across X and social media, but is there enough threads? And when you look in 2023, there's pockets and games. Like you look at round 13 against Brisbane. He amassed 28 disposals, three marks, two goals, went 91 in AFL fantasy and dream team and got his PB in super coach 113 in round 21. 18 disposals, nine marks, three tackles, went 90 plus across all formats. While a fortnight later goes at a 104 in Dream Team and Fantasy, gets his PB score there, 95 in Supercoach, just 19 disposals, but he scores in other ways, eight marks, four tackles, two goals. And so you see this guy that across all the scoring columns hasn't really put them together week on week on week, but there's threads here. And when you look at what he did at the back end of the year, over his final five matches, he goes at a respective average of 86.6 and 82, depending on the format you play. But up until that point, he was only going really sort of low 60s. So you've got this guy towards the back of last year is hitting a mid 80s to low 80s range. And you've already alluded, Kane, that the forward lines, man, if, you can go a 90 to 95, you're probably considered a premium forward before we get any DPP additions. If he can just hold what he did at those back five weeks of the year, not only is this enough to be someone you can run till he's by, all of a sudden it's like, this might be enough to be a premium spot for me by season's end. And that's what I think is so encouraging, MJ, is you're not banking on a major role change. You're actually really happy with this role that he had as you mentioned, in sort of the, the last five to 10 games of the season, if he's somewhere between that 81 of the last nine games and 87 of the last five, if he's in that 85 range, I think you feel like it's a win because not only is that a really good number and an improvement on his output of last year and what he's priced at, but that money that you've saved, what you can do elsewhere, it might just get you that more security in another rookie. It might take you from a premium that you like to a premium that you absolutely love and is a captaincy option. So that's always what's so fascinating yeah. about the starting squad, isn't it? There's so much that goes into it. Where can you take a haircut to gain elsewhere? Where do you have to just suck up and go, no, nah, I've got to go to that rookie and just save some cash elsewhere. So that's where Connor's always going to be a point of contention because some coaches don't just don't like this price range. They don't yeah. like trying to find that 15, 20 points when they can maybe get 40 points of value from that rookie that we see. So that's where I think he's really, really interesting. Uh, the thing I also love is the team he plays for. Mm. Hawthorne, fifth last year for fantasy points per game, which is incredible when you think about their ladder position. So they've got a really fantasy-friendly game. Back into the year when they started taking some big scalps, you know, they beat Collingwood, they beat a Brisbane, they beat a Bulldogs. The last five games that fantasy average goes from 15.75 across the season, which was fifth, to 16.45 in the last five games. And that's yeah, wow. what coincides with this Conor McDonough average of 87 points. So it's in no AF surprise DT, when, the, yeah. when the pie was bigger, again, he was a beneficiary of that playing in that team. So I love that as Sam Mitchell continues to grow and develop, you've got this guy that's doing it on a wing half forward. 
Yeah. If an injury happened to this midfield core, which is really young and really encouraging, but Anukum, Day, Nash, Warpool, Ward, and McKenzie, like mm. that's really, really, really impressive. You think about if McDonald got even just a little bit of that to couple just with 10, his 10, 15%. Running. Yeah. Yeah. You're not even asking for much there, but, um, and Dylan Moore's shown that he can be a really prominent scorer in a half forward, pushing into the midfield and up the ground. So I love that the game plan is conducive to points because Connor's a guy that that can rack it up. And, and we saw that in round 10 against West Coast. He came on after halftime as the sub, played 41% time on ground, and yet scored a 74 in detail. So it, it is there. And I think that's what shows in the numbers, isn't it? Is It's a good kick-to-handball ratio because he's on the outside, yep. high-marked count. Uh, but also hitting the scoreboard a little bit. To have 12 goals and 15 behinds in 21 games with a couple of those sub-affected, mm-hmm. like that's really, really encouraging. So I think you're really just backing a kid here that's got great junior numbers, has played 41 games in two years, which I love because I always feel like these guys that are talented, even if it's not the role they had as a junior, like you flagged MJ, this guy yeah. was could play inside, could play outside, obviously a huge ball winner for his junior teams. But they found a spot for him in the team. So 41 games as a 19 and 20-year-old. Mm. I love that he's experienced AFL level and, and he's shown that capability across multiple weeks. So I'm super encouraged that you're not really asking much more than just, hey, just start the season how you finish the season. Mm. Mid-80s, we're really happy. And yep. obviously the caveat too is you've got the round 15 buy. You've got the last buy. You can take him all the way there. But if there is a pop score, if there is a 120-plus score in round six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, that sort of range, it's going to make it really interesting as we get these new four DPPs that will inevitably mm. pop up. It might just be a really sneaky move sideways where you've made 100K, that premium four that's picked it up, say it is a Petrarca or a Bont, whoever that person's going to be might have had a sluggish start to gain that forward status. Mm. can be a really, really easy move to get points on the board, save cash, and then just turn him into a keeper for the rest of the year. It's pretty fascinating the options Connor creates. And that's what I think. It's not just Connor as a player itself, although we've already alluded to a number of times throughout this episode. There's upside there just by holding what he was doing towards the end of last year. But let's just run them through the variable scenarios that selecting Connor in your starting squad creates for you. Number one, you get a guy that just holds that average. Man, he becomes the perfect guy to run to that round 15 by the final of all and make the clear pivots and the moves that you need to. Fantastic. That's great. He gives you that scenario as you navigate those early multi-buy rounds and the other potentially challenging mid-season block. He helps you all the way through it. So that's one really important piece. Again, without forecasting a bump in role and potential scoring, just holding what he did in the back five games to nine games of last year across the formats, that's what we're kind of suggesting. That's one option, run him to the buy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Option number two he presents for you is 
he becomes a really easy way to jump on the mid-price guy in the forward line that is popping for you without having to drastically adjust your structures. We've seen this over the past just two or three years alone. It's been a Josh Rochelle for six, eight weeks of the start of last year, a Jack Zebel, a Darcy McPherson, a, a Taylor Walker even a few years removed from that. These guys that they're scoring compared to their price point, Jordan Degoe is another one that comes to mind when he was forward eligible. It, that they're scoring in contrast to what they're priced at, they're going to make you 100, 150, 200,000, depending on the format you play, over a three to five week period of time. And you can't afford to miss them. And so instead of having to drastically change your structure, Connor is a simple one way correctional trade and you're away. So it's not just Connor has to score well to be a viable selection. He's an asset for you because he gives you options to jump to the mid-price guy that is popping. Additionally, if there's a cow that you missed at the bottom end, a perfect example is Cade Chandler last year, Nick Martin the year prior to that came. These are these cows that, while no one's ever a must-have, it's pretty close to saying these guys are must-have in terms of the cash they were making for people. And if you didn't have them, you are going to have to find multiple other avenues to generate that income. So it's not just Connor as a person. It's all of these off ramps he creates for you that makes him such a viable starting squad option for us. Yeah, MJ, 100%. I do love that, especially that first three games in particular mm. at the MCG, because that's when Hawthorne seems to be able to get that game plan going when they can really possess the ball, move it around, switch, control the game a bit, little bit. I'm really encouraged that they've got that sort of three games, round one to three, just to give him the best chance to get off to a good start. And like you yeah. said, if your pivot point is after round two, that's all part of the game. We get As we get more information, you make those calls. And if he's the guy that has to go to get so up or to get get down, that's just how, how it rolls. But from what we've seen, the back end of last year, with the way the team's set up and his running ability – I feel like the role's safe. I think yep. there's a lot more competition for those six guys I reeled off in Newcomb Day, Nash, Warple, Ward, and McKenzie. Obviously, there's varying levels of guys that will get that midfield opportunity to start the year. But McKenzie, excuse me, but McDonald having that ability to just be a half forward with wing, that's really, really important when you think about just the structure of the team. We know Amon was really important for them last year with his his run and his ball use, but to sort of almost just be a periphery player and still be putting up 80s yeah. after your second year, that's just incredibly encouraging for me because um, there's so much that could turn in his favour if injury happens to anyone else in the team, which unfortunately just happens to every team, doesn't it, MJ? The, those six guys that were sort of the core inside mids, yep. they're going to miss games throughout the year. So for McDonald to be a producer in sort of an inferior role already, it's just another potential upside. So I'm, I'm super encouraged that you definitely can't put a line through him. You've got to look no. and see how that preseason progresses. And as we always know, if we get so many good rookies, it always favours more of a guns and rookies approach. Of course. But if, we, if we're feeling a little bit short or we're not sure about their job security, then on the flip side, you might have to drop a premium down and make a rookie and a premium become two mid-prices. And that's only going to favour in McDonald's way. So... It's always a bracket I think people want to avoid when they start the season, mm. but it always does feel like as we go through the preseason, these are the type of guys that continue to gain interest and gain intrigue because, as you flagged, 
there's so many options and different things you can do, especially when they have that last buy. It's so yeah. important, those late buy rounds for these players, because if you do get caught holding them, at least you know they're going to give you some buy support and you're going to have so much information by the middle of the season to pick the target you want to move him to if it's not quite panning out. Yeah, I think it's a really good shout. So the team pickers are open in Dream Team and Supercoach, while AFL Fantasy is open for everyone. It's really easy at this point in time, January 1, Thursday, officially of the 50 most relevant in the preseason to be able to like, oh, that cow's playing, that cow's playing, that cow's playing. Oh, Sam Flanders, he's going to continue on his trajectory. Oh, Dustin Martin's going to do this. Oh, Jack McRae's going to do this. I don't need to look in this middle range, but as you mentioned, as the year evolves on for us, it starts to become not just this hypothetical, yeah, 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 but on our, that's not going, that doesn't appear to be the case. That role isn't safe. They don't seem to have that spot and opportunity. And now, we'll come back to this middle range. I don't know if you've opened up those teams just yet and started to pick, but once you get kind of past F2, even F3, you start having to go, oh, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need that. And that's what Connor can do for you. We've already covered the off-ramps he creates for in a year where forwards are radically different to the way you played the game in 2023. He creates pathways and avenues for you to help you build the structure and the trade cadence you want during the season. And that is without picking up any additional midfield time. Last year, he had just the one game where he attended more than 10% CBAs. So if he doesn't get any, he's shown he can score. He does not need an inside midfield role to score for you. But if he gets it, based on his junior scoring, where he was a dominant 100-plus averaging guy as a junior and big hundreds he was popping out, there's enough little nuggets and threads that if you're looking for a breakout or a mid-price guy in the forward line, in a line that really isn't screaming multiple pick-me's, he's got one of the safest buys you could ask for. He's got one of the safest roles that even if it holds and not much changes, he's still going to score enough for you to give you all of the threads you need to be able to make him a really relevant player for you in 2024. Kane, before we wrap up the episode, let's talk about where he goes on draft day. Every single one of these players, we won't just look at them from a salary cap or a classic perspective. We'll unpack what it means for draft day. We've all looked at the draft ranks at the moment and gone, geez, those forwards get really thin really quick. But Connor's kind of, based on his seasonal average, finds himself stuck, again, depending on the size of your, of your draft league, probably at an average space of F3 to F4. And I think that's probably where he'll go for a lot of people. But here's someone that's got genuine F2 upside. And again, that's even if he just holds a mid-80s average that he did towards the final five games of the year. Where do you see Connor going on draft day? And what do you think is his potential destiny? Yeah, I think MJ, he is one that, that's sort of your hope when you're picking him that he's an F2 type of guy. And I do think that's very possible just for all the reasons that we outlined. Obviously we will get some forwards that come through from, from the midfield or from the back line that are, that are really strong players. But I think you would love to get him sort of as that late F2, F3 type of range. Now it's always hard to know with, you know, do people just avoid the forward line and just go for those maybe more bankable players in the other three lines? That's a possibility mm. on draft day. But I definitely think he's one that you don't mind maybe reaching a little bit for. You look at some of the guys that are 
sort of in his tier of players. And there's only really a handful, I'd say, I feel like have the same potential to jump up into the 80s. So mm. uh, I think he's one that you don't want to be waiting too late on just because he's buried down there, a really switched on coach. He's not going to let him go with those guys that are in the, the low 70s. Like he's going to be picked as a very high 70s, low 80s type of player. And I think you have to judge him accordingly. So yep. that would probably have him going as those very high 80s, low 90s mids start coming off the board. Uh, and similar with the defenders, he's probably going to be going when those, you know, 80, 83 type of defenders go. Just because the forward line is so scarce, mm. you're going to want to have some base there. But it's going to be such a fascinating thing, MJ, where forwards go in draft. Because I think those top few, they will go nice and early. Mm. But then there's going to just be this approach of just throwing darts and then really just, you know, minding the wave wire for the first few weeks and just seeing who's fieldable, who's putting up those 70s, really, just low 70s. So I, I feel like McDonald has that that ability to make the jump. Uh, but unless he starts putting up tons in the preseason and there's a real buzz about it or if there's injuries at Hawthorne, I think you can be a little bit patient yeah. and start striking when these guys that are sort of flat 80 forwards come off the board, you know, Isaac Heaney types, Lockie Schultz, mm. Tex, Jeremy Cameron, like Charlie Dixon. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, oh yeah. Just like Ryan Myers. Like he, he should be in that sort of mix. You know, you'd think an Adams would be ahead of him, but yep. he's in that big tier after that. So I, I really think, um, what is he? He's probably going to be inside the first 10 rounds in a 10 teamer. Like it's, you'd assume you'd have to so, say yeah. pretty comfortably there. Even if you've grabbed your five mids by that point, you're yeah, you're sort of into those low ninety guys at that point. So mm. um, for me, I'd just be judging going how many of these Jeremy Cameron's, Walkers, Heaney's, Schultz, Keys, Myers, um, Rochelle types are still around because they're probably all sort of a bit of a blanket, maybe depending mm. on what your look and feel is and how you want to play the game. Um, but he's certainly one that if he starts sliding and there's low 70 guys on the board, you just got to pounce, I think, and work yeah. out the rest elsewhere because uh, it's probably one of those guys that half your league are fully across and half your league aren't. But as we know, the painful thing is drafted. It just takes one switched on coach and he's gone. So if you, if you just believe that he's a low 80 guy, put him up in that tier and back in the pick. Don't just be trying to keep sliding and sliding him to what his average is because um, – we know that's not the indication of what this guy's going to be in 2024. No, the upside is absolutely huge. The downside is he kind of is what his seasonal average is, which is an understatement um, about what he did in the, not just the back five games, but back nine to 10 games of the year. So he's a fascinating player, not just for drafts, but for all formats of fantasy football. Kane, an absolute pleasure chatting with you on this episode, helping me kick off this year's 50 most relevant. Pleasure, mate. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, got 49 players left to go in under a minute. I'm going to give you a nice little clue about who's at number 49. If you're loving these episodes, whether they be through video or through audio, make sure you follow us on audio podcasts of Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you've got us with a nice five-star rating and review. Leave a nice little comment. Who knows? We might even read them out at the back of one of the upcoming 
50 most relevant podcasts. If you are watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. And if you're not, jump on over, subscribe, turn the notifications on, and you'll be able to get to see these videos as well as listening to the podcast episodes. You can discuss them with us across social media. All of the social media channels we're on, you can find in the description below. And if you want to get the audio podcast of these 24 hours early, yep, there's a way you can get ahead of the rest of the pack by just becoming a Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You can get access to these podcasts 24 hours ahead of the crowd. Yep, you already know who's at 50. They figured it out last year. They're so far ahead of you. So if you would like to get ahead of the pack, there's a bunch of other additional content, hidden rewards, articles, videos, stuff that doesn't get given anywhere else, but our Patreons get it. So if you want to join the Patreon supporter group, all the details are in the description of this episode. All right, I've teased that long enough. Let's give you a quick clue for who's at 49 before we wrap up the episode. He's a player that's got multiple years of not just hundreds, but 110 plus averages across his career. He's a guy that's been eligible in multiple positions across his career. And there's a potential upside of 30 points per game based on where he's at this year. No one's talking about him. There's a pretty good reason for it, but no one's talking about him. Who is he? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.